0: LifeWay Lifeway. Lifeway Leadership Podcast Network.
1: This is the Unseen Leadership Podcast, where we explore the unseen stories that shaped leaders into who they are today. Serve where God has you. And so so many times we're like, I just want to do this. I want to be there. I want to be there. And we just look so far ahead. And instead, he has big things for you right where you are.
0: Well, welcome to the Unseen Leadership Podcast. I am your host, Chandler Vinoy, here with my co-host, Josh Hunter. And Josh, I'm so excited for who we have with us today. Who is that?
2: And we have Jamie Ivy. She is, uh, man, she's amazing. Let me tell you, she's the host of the Happy Hour Podcast, author of the book, If You Only Knew. Jamie, you're a speaker, a wife, a mom, and within all these things, you are a great leader. We are pumped to have you with us today.
1: Y'all, thank you so much. I'm happy to be here with you guys.
2: I know, uh, we were talking a little bit before we started recording, but I go way back with the Ivy family when it comes to camp world and student life camp and she understands camp. And so it's like, if you're a camp person, you kind of get it, you know? And Erin used to lead worship at camp, her husband, and it's just been great. And Jamie, actually, I saw you here a few days ago, but I was kind of fanboying. I got too scared to talk to you. I just oh my let you gosh, know. you
1: totally should have said hi. I was, I was at, the, in, I was in the LifeWay building doing some recording.
2: I just, I got so nervous, I just couldn't do it. <laughs> <laughs> we totally missed out on doing That's this so live. That's so funny. You could
1: have done a live recording, you guys.
2: Yes, hey, but it's okay. But hey, we're we're happy to have you on. Are, are you doing okay today? What you been up to lately?
1: You know, I'm doing great. It is a Thursday. I'm gearing up for the end of the school year. I have four kids, like you said, and May. It's like that time of the year where you just think every day you're just one step closer to summer. And I love summer with my kids. And that's been a journey for me as being a working mom and want to be an awesome, fun mom in the summer. So I've had to learn how to do that, but I'm excited for summer.
0: And you are, you you mentioned you're recording in a tiny house. Is that right?
1: I am. I have a tiny house. It's something that I bought a couple of years ago and we have property where we live. So there's my house. And then my husband actually has a studio out here as well. And right now they're, they're practicing because you know what leaders still practice. There you go. <laughs> and then I have a tiny house that I do my recording for my podcast. in. so yeah, so all right here on a house. On his property. studio
0: is not in the same tiny house, right? No. I was like, yeah, how do you fit both of those <laughs> into the same tiny home? I just rehearse music. Yeah, the, yeah. There's drums in here and there's
1: guitars. Yeah. No, he has a studio. I have a tiny house. It all works out.
0: You guys are, you guys are,
2: legitimately cool.
1: <laughs> well, it, it's, I think our neighbors think we're running some kind of commune out here. We just keep putting up buildings and, um, you know, we work from home. So this is great.
2: I love it. And Texas Longhorn fan?
1: A hundred percent. Yes. We've been in Austin horns. 10 years. Hook, hook home, And we just became season ticket holders last year. It oh, so was a just, good year to do it. Oh. oh, it was a great year to do it. It was such a fun season. And so I'm excited. Usually it's just me and two of my boys because... Aaron, when he leads worship on Sundays, he literally goes to bed at 830. And so it's fun for me to do with my kids.
2: Didn't you just love when we beat down Georgia?
1: Oh my oh, gosh, that was so fun.
0: No, I'm, a, I'm a Texas fan. Okay, I come got Come on, it. let's go. So I went to what I would say is the real UT in Knoxville, uh-huh. Tennessee. Right. So <laughs> I know there's con- some contention there, but we'll just leave it at that.
1: Well, I always say we yeah. cheer for you guys in basketball because we're big fans of Coach Barnes. Yes. And he was at University of Texas and he is a phenomenal man. He loves the Lord and we love his family. And so we, especially we're cheering for you guys this year. I mean, y'all had a great season in basketball. We so we are volunteer fans for basketball season for sure.
0: I love to hear that. Rick Barnes has been such a gift to to the university and it's been great uh, to have him.
1: Y'all should get him on this show. What I a leader would love is. To do, That
0: is kind of a dream of mine. And I could never. You could never (laughs) go Memphis Tigers. Never, never. Oh man, well, well. Hey, Jamie, we want to hop on in. So the first question is this: Through your podcast and writing, you're leading in so many different ways. Can you walk us through a quick overview of of the different leadership roles and positions you've been in over the years, and how you got to where you are today?
1: Yeah, I was thinking through this when I saw the questions that you guys were going to ask, and I remembered that my very first job out of college. Uh, I graduated from Houston Baptist University and my very first job that I got was a teacher and a coach. And I was a teacher before we had kids and I love coaching. It was was a dream of mine. I want to coach high school uh, girls. And so I was a coach and I thought, man, that was my first leadership job. I mean, it really was. Here I am leading a team of middle school girls in different activities. Uh, And then from there, you know, lots of different mom life stuff. And then I remembered another thing a couple of years ago at our church I was what we called a coach in our kids' ministry. And so I was um, in charge of the volunteers. And there's another leadership thing that I had forgotten that I did. And then that led me to starting this podcast, you know, within the past five years and writing a book and traveling and speaking. And I think leadership looks really different for me now. In fact, just preparing to talk with you guys and thinking about the questions that you ask and the conversations that you're having around leadership, I think they're so important. And I think sometimes I can even forget that what I do as an author and a podcaster is leadership and it very much so is, Absolutely. but it was really good for me to have to sit back and think about all the different places that God has put me over the years and kind of how he's prepared me to be where I am today. So yeah, I I do consider myself a leader and I think with that becomes comes great responsibility. Um, isn't that a Spider-Man reference or it a is. Superman? See, I don't even know <laughs> these things, but I was trying... To be so cool for a split second, you guys. <laughs> it works. So is, it Superman? is it Superman or Spider Man? Spider Man, you were
2: right. Spider Man.
1: Spider-Man. Okay, so the yeah, <laughs> there it is. But I really do. I have learned that more over the past uh, five years about the great responsibility that it brings. And I enjoy that. It challenges me. And I am thankful that God gave me the job I have.
0: Yeah, so I know you shared the story a few different times on probably many different podcasts, but can you tell us the story? I know there was a contest of to become a DJ and that led to you starting your podcast. Can you kind of share a little bit of that story with us?
1: Yeah, it's the craziest thing ever. I I, I call it the American Idol radio job thing here that happened in my <laughs> life. This was, I think eight years ago and we live in Austin, Texas, like we said, and I'm driving around. I have four kids. I'm in my minivan and I listen to country music because obviously, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm a Texan and on my local radio station, they are saying that they're having a contest for the next morning show, DJ host. And I thought to myself, well, I could do that. (laughs) This is it. This is my moment. This this is my destiny. This sounds like, (laughs) sounds like a great job. So I went home and I asked my husband to help me because he had a studio in my backyard. I asked him to help me, help me record a demo. And I made the cheesiest demo. I mean, you guys, the funniest thing about this is I don't think I had ever really spoken into a microphone before <laughs> this audition. So I make this audition, I send it in. And at this point, eight years ago, I wasn't even on Instagram. It was, but it was all social media that I used to kind of get all, I say thank you to my church Austin Stone for voting me in but it was a voting thing and so we just voted and voted and then I made it to the top 10 and then from the top 10 the station picked the top 5 and I made it to that and then I got to go in and have a day it was the Thursday I went in I got to be on air and I left going if nothing else happens that was just the coolest experience I've ever had in my entire life and you guys I got the job I mean I wow. had I've, never, I've never worked heard this in story. radio Oh, oh, I never worked in radio. I was a teacher before we had kids. I'm a stay-at-home mom. And now all of a sudden, I am a morning show host at a country radio station here in Austin. And I loved it so, so, so much. I felt like for the first time, man, I've stepped into something that I'm good at that I didn't even know about. And it was so much fun. And, you know, just life circumstances. My kids, three of them are adopted and two of them have ju- had just at this time been home from Haiti for about a year. And so this kind of changed our whole family dynamics and that was super hard for everybody in my family. And so I worked there about a little over four months and then I needed to quit and come home. But what that did for me and I was, I was frustrated about having to quit because I felt like, man, God, you open these doors and now I'm choosing my fan. Why are you closing them? Why do I need it? And it was just the best thing because about a year and a half, two years later, I started my podcast, which I'm so glad I get to be my own boss and no one else, you know? So, (laughs) It, it's great, but that's how I started podcasting. Really, was such
0: a good story.
1: An, an audition to be on a morning show.
0: Yeah, I
2: I'm glad you asked that, Chandler. I had no clue. Yeah. I've never heard that story. That's that's awesome. Again, could you tell us about the moment that you realized, oh, Jamie, I'm I'm a leader. I have influence. What did that moment look like for you?
1: Yeah, I remember. I think I remember pretty vividly one of these moments. I think there have been a handful of these moments. Um, But when I started my show five years ago, the happy hour, the podcast that I host, it had this kind of um, from the start success, which I credit just to God and just giving me a voice and giftings and talents and people enjoy the show. So I love it. But I remember, you know, a couple of times that I can think of right now is a handful of years ago, I, something happened in our culture, Christian culture, and all of a sudden I had people asking me my, where I stood on this and my ideas on this. And I thought, oh, wow, I didn't know that people wanted to know this from me. I thought I just created a show that was entertaining, that pointed people to Jesus, but was a bright spot in people's day. And then to find out, oh, you need to know where I stand on something. And I remember thinking, this has kind of changed everything that I do from now on. And I think that was a good thing for me to experience because the amount of listeners that we have to the show um, is crazy. And to think that I have influence in their ears every single week is humbling. And it doesn't come without, like I said already, a lot of responsibility. Whereas when I put out a show, um, there's three ears that listen to it before it goes live because... I realized how important it is in the influence that I'm having. And so I think it was realizing how many people are listening to my show. Wow, I'm having influence. And then number two, a moment in time when people were coming to me saying, we need to know where you stand on this. And that was a big wake-up call for me and a good wake-up call for me to realize um, that the position that God's put me in, the leadership that he's given me, the influence that he's giving me, that people are listening. And so I need to be faithful with what he's done
2: that's really good I, a lot of times in leadership sometimes the the best leader is the one that doesn't really really I'm not saying that you didn't want it but is not really looking for it and then it just happens to fall right. on them and how do you know when you're a leader? When people start listening to you, when people start asking you questions and seeking you out like, hey, ding, yeah. ding, ding, start leading.
0: You yeah, know? I, think yeah. I, I think I've referenced this before. I was reading was- uh, George Washington's biography and the common theme of his life was he was not seeking leadership, but leadership sought him. Mm. And I, for me, mm-hmm. I was like, okay, I don't really know if the, the author of this was really trying to imply what I'm about to take out of it, but that's such a Christian value. Like don't seek after leadership, but if God has given it to you, it'll be sought out for you. Yeah. So. Yeah.
1: And I think that's important. I love that you said that. I think it's important for us to remember that because I feel like sometimes there's nothing wrong with seeking leadership to be in a position of leadership, to have jobs that put you in leadership. There's nothing wrong with that. But I think there is something really beautiful when we're just living our life one step in front of the other, living in our passions, living in our talents, living in our callings. And God says, Hey, you're doing like who would have ever thought you're doing podcasting. Well, I'm going to give, I'm going to elevate this leadership in you. And it's just, it doesn't make sense on paper. And I could have never sought that out. And so for me to look back and be, and think to myself, God, you have given me this. I think it even makes it a little bit more fragile to me. Whereas I I want to steward it so well, because I know it's nothing out of my own humanity that this has come to me.
2: Mm, that's so good. If I could drop the mic that I'm talking to <laughs> I would I'll just shake it around for the same effect. <laughs> there but it I'm is. I'm shaking it. Okay, great. Great, great word. And your book which I, I've got to say, the book the book's called If You Only Knew. It it's a great book. My wife is a huge fan. She loves it. I've been reading it almost done with it. Um, I've cried several times. So congratulations, Jamie. It's wow, been, it's been really good. It's been really good. It, it it it's been really good, guys. It's just been so good. <laughs> but you share about your own journey to finding freedom from your past when you quit running from your mess and you trusted Jesus to redeem it. Do you mind sharing a little bit of that story and how that has made you into the leader you are today?
1: Yeah, sure. This the book, you know, if you only knew it chronicles really a lot of my life about 20 years ago. I grew up in a Christian home. I have phenomenal parents. They're still phenomenal parents. They love Jesus. So I grew up knowing all about God, all about church and would have said that I was a Christian, but my life didn't look like anyone that followed Jesus from about sophomore year on until about junior year in college. So for those you know four or five years, it was pretty much just a mess of a, of a life. And I had some consequences come out of that mess. I ended up getting pregnant in college and and had a miscarriage and just really just running from God and Him just continually chasing me with just random things happening that kept me kind of near to Him in a weird way, but I was still trying to figure out life on my own. And then at Passion Conference in 1999, I believe it was, uh, is when God really, really altered my heart, changed my life. Uh, I began to want to follow him and desire to look more like him. And so my life changed at 21. Well, fast forward a couple of years later, and I marry my husband, Aaron, and he's a pastor. And I just brought a lot of shame into the marriage, put on only by myself. The the Lord didn't put it on me, obviously, My husband didn't put it on me. It was really self-induced shame. And so I brought a lot of shame and a lot of fear and just a lot of insecurities into marriage. And what that did was it constantly made me worry that if people knew my story, if people knew where I'd been, if people knew some of the things that had happened to me, if people knew some of the choices that I had made and that I was married to a pastor and we did ministry, they just, I feared people Mm. wouldn't be able to Mm. kind of hold both. Yeah. in one one person, and so I just kind of kept it to myself. But it was really eating me alive. And so the book chronicles me sharing those parts of my story, me talking about how finding freedom really from those things kind of unlocked unlock this new passion in my life. And then really, it takes a turn of just encouraging women and men, whoever are reading the book, to really let God into their mess because that's when we get to shine His grace the the, the brightest is when we can proclaim, here's who I am. Here's what I'm bringing to the table. And Jesus still loves me. He still chases me and he can still use me. And so that is that story. And, you know, I remember a couple of years ago, the first time I ever blogged, when I used to blog, when I first blogged about some things in my past and a woman wrote me and she said, I go to your church and um, my husband's in leadership and I had an abortion when I was in college and I've never told him, I've never told anyone. Mm -hmm. And what your story has done for me, Jamie, she's telling me this. She says, what your story has done for me is it said, if you were okay with talking about your past, I can do Mm it. I can as well. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Yeah, and so that was kind of this really awakening of like, man, there are so many women within the church who are walking around feeling as though they need to hide where they've been. And I'm like, no guys, when we share where we've been, Jesus looks really good. Like he looks really good when we say all the things he saved us and continue, like I still have stuff I'm dealing with, you know, so that's kind of the journey. And that, you know, even that role of just leading out in vulnerability and leading out in authenticity has been something that God's brought into my life for the past couple of years. And it's an honor because the stories that I hear are worth me going first. So to
2: everybody listening, a couple key things I want to pull out of that. Great, great answer and, and great thoughts, Jamie. She said at the very end, I'm still working through things that still exists. Like she's a great leader. She has great influence, but Jamie, you still, you're still being sanctified every day and you're still working through some of the, some of the, um, the collateral damage that happened from the past. Would you agree with that?
1: Yeah, for sure. For sure.
2: And it's, it's, it's part of the burden to bear with that and to work through as a leader. And that's okay if that's you as well. I think in a world full of anxiety right now and whatever you want to call it, guilt, depression, shame. I would label it just a heavy shame. I've struggled with some of that this past year and being more vulnerable with my wife, my wife being vulnerable with me. We've worked through a lot of those things. It's been really, really healthy. So thank you. First of all, thank you for being vulnerable and representing that and being an example to everybody out there. But what would you say to the young leader who has struggled with a lot of stuff in the past? And you kind of answered it, but just a little bit more directly, who has struggled with things in the past and have a past that they're shamed of, but they're starting to get this leadership opportunity and they're saying, how do I how do I get past this? Like, I feel like my past is holding me down a little bit, but how do I get out from under that rock and under that shame and get people to accept me? And no, I'm just, what do I do? I feel like I need to expose it, but I'm too scared to.
1: Yeah, I think it seems super scary. And I think one of the things that I'm super thankful in my life is that I I worked this stuff out within my local community before God ever put me in this position. And so- I think that is important for people to hear is that me writing this book and me talking to you guys on a podcast about it and all the things that people see publicly this stuff has been worked out a long time privately. And so I think as hmm. as leaders one thing that I want to encourage and I mean I mean if we saw the stats on how many pastors and people in leadership are failing what we usually see go along with that is no accountability and Mm. no people in their world that they can bring their stuff to the table and be honest about. And so my encouragement to anyone leadership or not is to have people in your life that you can be completely vulnerable and honest with. Um, Everything can be on the table. And I think a couple of things that need to happen there is you need to be surrounded by people who, who really love God's word a whole lot because Mm. You know, people will ask me sometimes one of their questions is I want to be open with my husband about what's happening, but I'm afraid he will or not accept me or my fiance or whatever. And my thought to that always is, is that person does not have an understanding of our sin nature. And so surround yourself with people who understand the nature that we're dealing with as humans is that we're all sinful people. And then surround yourself with people who aren't just going to be yes, man, but they're going to, you know, they're going to challenge you. They're going to point you to the word. They're going to hold you accountable They're going to tell you, you need rest if you need rest. And so I say, man, work that out privately for sure with your people around you. And then I just can't help but think that when you're in a leadership position, people are so more apt to listen to you, um, to follow you, to trust you. If you can look at them and say, I understand what you're going through because here's where I've been. And so when we're vulnerable, like I, I don't want to just be vulnerable and share my mess for the sake of saying it. It, it always has a motive of pointing people to the Lord. And you know, Josh and Chandler, there are a thousand things that I'm not publicly speaking about right now, but people around me are aware of what's going on. You know, and so just surround yourself with people who are going to encourage you, going to point you to Jesus, who are not going to think less of you. And then when you're ready to share these things publicly, they come from a place of humility, not a place of look at me, woe is me. There's this, you know, there's this idea right now of everyone's like, man, I'm such a mess. Look at me. (laughs) And I get that. But there is this part of like, man, look what God is doing in me. That's what we proclaim more than look at how big of a mess I am. It's look at these things about, look at this in my life. And man, let me point you to the one who is healing me in the midst of this. And so I think that's important for leaders to remember.
2: Jamie, I wish we had four more hours to talk about that <laughs> because it's been a uh, huge thing that yeah. I've been learning this past year in my life. And I, what you said too, Hey guys, you don't, if there's something that you're really ashamed of and you feel like, okay, I've got to tell everybody, you don't need to go tell it on your Instagram. It should start privately. (laughs) You should find a trusted friend, maybe a parent. If you're really young in college and don't know who else to tell a a good, good family friend, a mentor. And I think it's Craig Rochelle said, you don't have to say everything that's true. Just make sure everything you say is true. You know, don't, don't, don't lie, but you don't have to yeah, that, that was my statement, Jamie. I'm sure there are things that did not make it in this book and that's okay. But as long yeah. as you have a group around you that knows those things and supporting you and accepting you regardless of those things, man, that's the way to heal. And I think you've done a great yeah. job at that.
1: And let me just add this real quick because with leadership, like we've said a thousand times, and I'm sure you guys are gonna say this on every show, there is so much responsibility that comes with that. And so I think sometimes when leaders fall, it's because they don't feel safe but I also want to always say that there are actual consequences for our actions that sometimes can't be, you can't go around them. And so I think that what I also want leaders to know and what I pray that my own self will always remember is that is that when stuff is brought into the light, like freedom from that is better with a consequence than it eating away at my soul and, we, and me feeling as though I still have my leadership position. Does that make mm-hmm. sense? Yes, absolutely. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Gaining the world, but losing your soul. It's yes, prime yes. example.
0: Yep. Yeah. You can grow publicly, but be dying oh, privately. Yeah, that's good.
1: And that is just, I, I cannot even, I'm thankful, you know, that that I'm not experiencing that right now, but I cannot even imagine how difficult that would feel. Yeah. Yeah.
2: <laughs>
0: yeah. It sounds like a great new book you should write, Jamie.
1: Oh yeah, thanks.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well- this is just leading right into the next question of kind of mentorship accountability aspect type of thing. But Jamie, can you, can you name a person who has had a tremendous impact on who you are uh, and who you were as a young leader, maybe someone who has been a mentor of yours?
1: You know, I have two people I want to tell you about for this. Um, One of the people that has just encouraged the heck out of me has believed in me before, Um, I, I knew that the gifts and talents that God's given me is my friend, Jenny Allen. And I have been, she's invited me to do ministry alongside her before I even had this show, which is just crazy to me that she saw something in me before I even knew that it was there. And so she's that person who I'm thankful to have a personal relationship with. And we went to church together when she lived here in Austin and she has just poured into me. She's believed into me, um, even if it's just when she invites me to do ministry with her. I mean, that just meant, so I look back, you know, you know, five, six years ago, and I look back to her inviting me to do things alongside her. And I just wonder, why did she do that? Like, Hmm. I didn't, I wasn't doing anything. I don't know how she (laughs) had the foreknowledge to ask me to do something. So I think about that. And then there's another friend of mine and her name is, um, her name's Annie, and she's her name's Annie Lynn. She's a good friend of mine here in Austin. Her husband plays in my husband's band together. And I remember when I was entertaining the idea of writing a book. And I said to my friend Annie, I said, you know, I know one of the sins that will take me out. And listen, lead this isn't this is a whole nother four hour topic. But leaders, we got to know what's going to take us out. Okay. So I know the sins that will take me out. My friends know them, my husband knows them. It's just, that helps me, right? To stay where I am. And so I I was talking to my friend, Annie, and I was like, man, I just don't know if I could write a book because I don't know if, this was a long time ago, guys. I don't know if notoriety or if fame, I don't know if I can handle it. Mm. And um, I laugh now that that is something that will take me out. And God's like, hey, here's your job. You know, (laughs) go forth, (laughs) cling to me. But I'm telling my friend Annie this. And Annie looked at me and said, do you think that anyone who struggled with fame or pride or anything, do you think that if any of them decided that that was going to hold them out back from writing a book that we would have any books on the shelf? That's a great point. And I remember, I'll never forget that because I remember it said to me like, okay, God's pushing me this way. And I'm kind of a little bit saying to God, I think you've got the wrong person. I don't think I can handle this. I will do wrong with what you give me. And my friend Annie just encouraged me by saying like God is bigger than your struggle. And that's why you have to continue to lean on him. That's why you have to continue to be tethered to his word. And that has never left me because now I have a podcast and I get the the honor to speak at churches and write a book and writing more books. And I just always go back to that and say, God, you, you're using me in spite of what I know can take me out. And so those two people, just Jenny believing in me before I even knew what I was doing. And my friend, Annie, just encouraging me to go forth with the path that God was leading me on, knowing that he's gonna be faithful to me in the midst and knowing that I have to cling to him even more.
2: Jamie, what was your biggest mistake as a leader getting started? And how did that failure um, or apparent failure set you up later for success in your leadership?
1: I think one of my biggest mistakes, and I touched on this a little bit with telling the story about my friend, Annie, speaking into my life, was just not believing that I could lead. Um, and I, I mean that in a lot of different areas. I was really scared to lead out. And and what I'm speaking about leading right now is two different ways. Number one, leading publicly. And number two, leading a team. I have a team of people that work with me um, to get everything that we do done. And so I just didn't understand how to be a leader. Um, I was scared of leadership. Um, my husband is a phenomenal leader in our home and at his job And so I almost felt like I live with someone that I can't live up to. Like, Aaron's so good at this. How can I do well what he does with my team? And so I think just one of the biggest things for me was, man, where do I fit even in leadership roles um, within the church? And where do I fit with leadership um, within my team that I lead? And where do I fit with leadership within just like speaking out on things? And so I think it's just been... Man, me really leaning into the Lord and me really leaning into Aaron and asking him to help me and guide me and teach me. And so leadership is a suit has been super scary for me. And sometimes it feels weird to say that as a leader because I feel like it makes you look weak a little bit. But just to be honest, it's been super scary for me. And so I think you know, one of my mistakes starting was just not trusting that I had the ability. And I'm gonna go out on a limb and say that's probably a lot more common than anyone wants to admit. But I'll yeah. be the first to say, "Hey guys, I don't know what I'm doing." Um, but I think just that, just just not believing that that I had the ability to lead.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I think if you ask most leaders, they would they would totally agree with you. And as as scary as it is, they're probably also <laughs> just as scared to admit it as well.
1: And especially like we said before that, I didn't go, I didn't like wake up one day and say, okay, make me a leader. Like I'm really (laughs) happy, like raising my babies and doing those kind of things. And then it just kind of has happened over time. And so learning that has been super hard and I'm, I'm grateful for my team. I'm grateful for my husband. I'm grateful for my church. I mean, I'm just like, I I literally have the best people around me. So everyone Uh, around me has made me who I am. Well, I feel like you see it
2: as early as Genesis, Adam did not want to lead. And then you mm-hmm. see a lot more examples that a lot of people struggle with that and that's okay. Yeah, yeah. It's okay to struggle yeah. with that.
0: Mm-hmm. And and going back to Jamie, something you said earlier, that's in spite of us, God uses us is when he gets Absolutely. the most glory. Mm-hmm. Like if, mm-hmm. if we were awesome, it wouldn't matter. So yeah. that's, that's a yeah. good reminder. Well, this is probably following up a little bit even on some of that. Uh, the answer to the last question, but what was your biggest misconception as a young leader?
1: I think when I think about biggest misconception then, it probably still sometimes trickles over in today is that I would think that I had to know all the answers and do it all. Um, When I think about leading a team um, as a leader, I sometimes can think if I don't do it, it won't get done well or the right way. And so that's been super fruitful for me to realize that there are people who do who things better than I do, and that's okay. And then just in leaders and leadership, as well as with my podcast and speaking and writing is I was super, you know, just piggybacking off our last conversation. I think some of my fear came from as well as I've never been to seminary. And and I'm telling you guys, every year I tell my husband, I want to go back to school. And he always challenged me with like, why do you want to go? Yeah. Do you want to learn? Or do you feel like you need the credit? Yep. And some days I'm not sure, like, just to be honest, um, I know I want to learn, like, that is always true. I want to learn, learn, learn. But there is this fear sometimes of, God, you've put me in this position and people are listening to me and I just don't feel as qualified as fill in the blank. And so that I think has been something I've had to work through. And at the end of the day, I- I've listened to my husband who says to me, like, you can do whatever you put your mind to and people are listening to you because you have something to say. And he sees and my friends see and I know that like I am like in God's word. And that's where I want to get any kind of, I hate to use the word advice or ideas or anything. And so I think just that misconception as a young leader was I need to know all the answers. And I'm not as good as fill in the blank because they have more credentials. And that's been difficult a little bit, but I'm in a much better place than I have been over the past couple of years. And I think honestly, if Aaron were to push back and say, why do you want to go to school? I think I could, I, my answer right now would be to learn more. I think I am over the, I need the credential aspect. Yeah. Although sometimes when I share a stage with someone really, really smart, (laughs) I think what am I actually doing here? I really this wish is I could have a
0: master's of I divinity I really right wish now. I
1: had a master's of something. Yeah. <laughs> Can you please
0: announce me as uh, Dr. Janie, <laughs> yes. please? Yeah.
1: <laughs> Thank you. And you guys, I need to let you know, my degree is in kinesiology. Like I am a, I'm a teacher and a coach at heart. Oh, and that's so awesome. It gives me help when like encouraging and motivating and teaching. But man, I sometimes wish I had that seminary degree, but I'm okay <laughs> now. That's the whole point is that used to plague me. And now I just I just keep taking one step in front of the other. And that's where I am right now.
2: I I bet there'd be so many people listening to this that are in a really similar spot that yeah, we probably need some clarity there too. About
0: to wrap
1: up
2: seminars uh, one like one of them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This whole thing for
0: the the, for the paper. Yeah. <laughs> I need the yeah. diploma. Yeah. 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 Well, hey Jamie, we're gonna throw a little bit of a curveball here for you and add one more question. Is that okay?
1: Okay, it's good. All right, you can totally nix <laughs> okay, it. You can okay. totally nix it. <laughs> no, I like curveballs. Good. I, you know, we'll see what comes out of my mouth.
0: Sweet. What it? What is your advice to to other young women who have a desire to lead but aren't sure where to start? So this could be they want to lead in the yeah. church. This could just be that they want to lead anywhere. What advice would you give them?
1: Man, I get this question all the time. So this is not really a Dang I'm it! Sorry, it. <laughs> I know, but this is a common question that young women are asking women leaders. And I think it's an important question. And I think what sometimes what women are asking is, can you give me permission to lead? And I, and I don't need to give you permission to lead because I think what I want to encourage women to do is to just do the next thing in front of them. Um, just do what your talents and giftings have given you. Um, I'm thankful that I attend a church and have church leadership and elders who believe in women and believe that they have giftings and talents that are used for the body of the church within the church. Um, And so that has been a great thing for me because I feel as though I have a place here that doesn't just involve me in the nursery. And that's sometimes what women are asking. But I also want to say this to women who are saying, Hey, I want to use these giftings. I want to use these things. And a lot of times what they're really wanting is to be where someone is 10 years down the road hmm. or to be with down the road with someone who's written five books and or to be down the road of someone who is leading major Bible studies within her church. And here's what I always say to them is, do it right for your people in front of you. And so I have people come to me and say, hey, I, I, I want to write a Bible study. I'm, I'm going to pitch it to Lifeway. I want to write a Bible study. And my first question to them always is, where are you leading? Where are you teaching? Are you teaching within your church? Do you have a Bible study in your home? And a lot of times they'll say, no, no, no. I just, I want to write this with Lifeway. Like I want to, I (laughs) want to pitch this to them.
2: Yes.
1: (laughs) And I always want to say like, if you're not doing the work with the people in front of you, I don't know how you're going to get bigger things. And so there's this misconception as well as though I'm just going to show up one day and Anyone that you look at, they didn't just show up. They were teaching in their home church. They were leading Bible studies in their home. They were, you know, starting things that didn't turn into major nonprofits right away. And so I just want to say, man, serve where you are. Serve where you are planted. If If you're going to lead a Bible study for all the pastor's wives in your church, man, go for it. Go for it. And then maybe one day that gets bigger to the pastor's wives in your community. And maybe one day it gets bigger and who knows, but man, serve where God has you. And so, so many times we're like, I just want to do this. I want to be there. I want to be there. And we just look so far ahead. And instead he has big things for you right where you are.
0: Jamie, you just encapsulated the entire heart of this podcast in that. Anthem. Good. I mean, <laughs> the unseen leadership. It's, I mean- the logo is an iceberg with below it is what was made, what people see above the surface. And it's exactly that people want to jump ahead. They say, I want to be there without having to go through everything else. And I just love how you said they don't want to go through the leading my own Bible study. They want to go straight to having it published somewhere else. And I'm so thankful for that.
1: And I, and I, and I just want to say this as well is, you know, because I have influence and I'm a leader, um, and I, I get to do some really cool things in life. I will tell you without a doubt, one of my favorite things that happens in my life is on Wednesday mornings when moms from my community show up and we do Bible study together. You know, that's like, I'm telling you now, so it's like publicized, but that is not like, no one's paying me to do that. And I'm not traveling anywhere and it's not on social media, but it's just me serving right in my community and every single Wednesday, I look at my husband and say, this is my favorite day of the week. And so that's kind of that iceberg that your your image is. is like It, it can look as though I, I should maybe not want to do that because I could be going someplace else. That is so important to me. And I love it so very much. And it's like this unseen type of thing. And, and I hope I said that without saying, hey, look at what a great unseen leader I am. My point is just... My point is, these things matter. the yep. the The things that the world would say are small matter a whole lot.
2: Yep, man, it's really good. Uh, I, yes, that's amazing. We're gonna go ahead and transition to the next uh, next section, which is our quick hitters. Chandler, you want to jump in there and start getting us It's like one minute answers. If you need to go over a little bit, totally fine. But if you just got a short answer and a short and sweet, totally fine with us as well. I'm ready.
0: First quick hitter is what is your ideal daily routine? So what time do you wake up? Get into the office or the tiny home? <laughs> what does that look like for
1: you? Uh, my alarm goes off at six. My last kid gets on the bus at seven thirty, and so after seven thirty is when I get to just kind of do things around the house, pick up dishes, have a quiet time, and then I will usually get over to my office by like nine. And then I mean I, I work from home. It's flexible, and so that's what my day looks like. And then my first kid gets off the bus at three thirty. I try to be done with work by 4.30, and then I'm home with my family. That's my day. It's not that exciting, so that seems kind of weird, but that's well, what I do.
2: It's, I'm sure it's more exciting for you because of all the the different moving pieces. I, t- I totally yes, get Yes,
1: and if it's a podcast recording day, I mean, that's super fun because yeah. I got people coming in here to record shows, and that's a fun day.
2: Totally. What is your favorite personality test?
1: Well, right now it's the Enneagram, you know, of course. Everyone's what talking about it. are you? It. I'm a number six on the Enneagram, Okay. which... Anyone that's listening to the first half of our show with all of my um fear-based yeah. living <laughs> yeah. would go of course she's a 6 and that is when I started studying the Enneagram I'm like oh my gosh light bulbs are going off left and right I live in fear I am like always worried that something's not going to work out so that is me Enneagram 6
0: good to know what is an unusual habit that helps you in your leadership
1: I I have anything unusual. I'm like the most boring person you will ever meet in your entire (laughs) life. True, not at all. You're you're literally
0: recording a podcast in a tiny home in your backyard. That that is not sweet arm tattoo. That's true. Yeah,
1: I I don't think I can think of an unusual habit in leadership. I mean, I maybe it's unusual to be vulnerable, but I think that should be the norm. But that's something I like to do is just lead from my own, you know, vulnerability.
2: It is unusual right now, and it is becoming more normal, and that's a good thing. But more leaders need to lead from that. So. Thank you for doing that. Thank you for your unusual good habit of vulnerability (laughs) with people. What is your favorite app on your phone?
1: Well, Instagram by far. I'm a big Instagram lover. And then probably I live and die by my calendar. So if it's not on my calendar, I won't show up. And then my team uses Slack. And so Slack is where I know what everything's going on. So maybe those three are probably the ones that I frequent the most.
0: Love it. What has been the best book you've read in the past six months?
1: My friend Kate Merrick released a book called Here Now. And it is a really good book about being present in the moment. And she this is a follow-up book. It's her second book. Her daughter, Daisy, passed away when she was about six or seven years old. And this book journeys her and her husband, her daughter, Daisy, and her son, all traveling to Israel for some medical treatment. But it journeys just them spending those months being present with each other. And it was a huge encouragement to me.
2: What one sentence advice would you give someone going into a leadership position for the first time?
1: Surround yourself with really good people. um, Surround yourself with people who who love God, like I said, and then surround yourself with people who do really good work. uh, Because people in leadership, yeah, they're in leadership and they do great things, but they are surrounded by people who make great things as well. So get some good people around you.
0: That's gold right there. Jamie, thank you so much for joining us today on the podcast and sharing about your leadership journey and being vulnerable with us. And thank you for the book, If You Only Knew. Not only were you vulnerable on this podcast, but you shared so much of your story in that. I know it's helped so many um, young leaders, but honestly, just so many people. Everyone. Yep. Yep.
1: Thanks, guys. I really appreciate
0: it. Absolutely. And thank you for listening today. We hope that this has been helpful to you and your leadership. And if it has, please go over to iTunes and leave us a rating and review to help other young leaders find the podcast. Thanks again.